with every breath that I'm able, I will sing of the goodness of the Lord. Now, you don't want me singing. You'd like me talking to you about the goodness of the Lord. We have different levels. We have different abilities. But the truth is nobody can tell your story about the goodness of God better than you can tell it. Scripture says, let the redeemed of the Lord do what? Say so. Say so. Say so. Amen. 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 Steadying certainties in uncertain times. Steadying certainties in uncertain times. Now, I'm not trying to talk to a general audience this morning. I'm not trying to talk to folks who are just dating Jesus, trying to figure out if they want to marry him after all. I'm talking to my brothers and my sisters. Not perfect, not completely finished, but there's no question in your mind but that Jesus Christ of Nazareth is your Lord and Savior, that you've given your heart to Him. You've found forgiveness in Him. You've found freedom in Him that you know you didn't deserve, but you found yourself smothered in His grace and His kindness in the face of the things that we have done and said that hurt him, that were against what he stood for, and yet still he loved us. Can anybody just say amen to that? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's all about Jesus and a relationship with him. Now, in the light of that position and place that you hold in his heart and he holds in your heart, I make the statement again. Steadying certainties in unsteady times. Now, your unsteady times may be family, may be health, may be work. There can be a sense that what's going on in the nation is an unsteadying time to you. But whatever it is this morning, I want to just offer to you three Steadying certainties, not an exhaustive list, but three of them. Steadying circumstances in unsteady times. Number one, number one, Jesus is Lord and Satan is a liar. Jesus is Lord. And Satan is a liar. Another way to say that is Jesus has all authority and Satan and the world do not. Can somebody say, how can y'all sit there and hear that and not say amen? Or kick the pew in front of you, you know? A steadying certainty in that Jesus has all authority, 
And Satan and the world do not have final say, all authority, end of the game. When that drops 18 inches and settles into your heart, it doesn't matter who is in the White House. It doesn't matter what the Supreme Court decides or doesn't decide. Those things are important to a degree. But every face you see in any or all of those positions and other levels of power and influence that we could name, every face you see is temporary. And every face you see will one day declare, Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Whether they want to or not, whether they welcome the truth or not, and we'll make sure that that's a true statement in just a moment. But that's number one. Jesus has all authority. And Satan and the world do not. That will steady your soul in unsteady time. Number two, Jesus hears and prayer works. The one who has all authority hears you. And you have come to be convinced that prayer in his name works. John 15, Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it shall be done for you. In John 14. Whatever you ask in my name, he says, that will be done, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Now, we come quickly to understand that that's not a blank check, that's not an unlimited credit card, that is permission an exhortation to ask for the things that as we understand who he is, what he represents, what he loves, what he hates, everything that would be consistently reflective of what would bless his heart and could never exhaust his ability, we have the right we are invited to ask anything under that banner. And he says, I'll do it. We've learned along the way, however, that some of the things that we've asked for were not within what he would want, what he would see as best, what he would see as right. But we've learned along the way that instead of us slapping us down and saying, don't ever ask me anymore, he teaches us, he instructs us. This is why I couldn't answer that. This is why that wasn't best for you. Even when the answer is, is a flat out no. But then we've also found that Jesus hears 
and prayer works when there's a distance between the asking and the answer. We, we, we shift back into that Habakkuk 2, verse, verse 3. The vision is yet for the appointed time. It hastens toward the goal. It will not delay. Though it tarries, wait for it. The delay does not mean denial. Jesus hears and prayer works. No matter what the unsteadying of the circumstances are around us, no matter what direction it's coming from, when there's a sense of knowing in your knower confirmed to you not only by the promises that Jesus gives us freshly every day from his word, reminds us of them, but because of your experience, that you found that you ask and you have asked, and he has answered. So no matter what I'm facing, no matter what's coming, no, what, no matter what's at hand, he hears and he answers. I want you to find a passage. This is in 2 Corinthians. This is one of the most honest sections of Scripture that the Apostle Paul ever wrote. He's just brutally honest about what he felt, what it looked like things were going to end up being. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For just as the sufferings of Christ arouse in obedience, so also our comfort is abundant through Christ. Verse 8, But we do not want you to be unaware, brethren, of our affliction, which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened excessively, beyond our strength, so that we despaired even of life. Now, don't you let that in, and don't you understand this is the human writer of probably two-thirds of your New Testament, and he said, there was a point in my life where I didn't even know if I wanted to live. Have you ever been there? And before we get getting up on this high horse and start judging people, who have thoughts discouraging periods of deep despondence and so on. Well, they just need to, they just need to, they just need to, they stop, just stop even saying that and understand that you probably haven't ever suffered like that. You probably or I probably haven't ever gone through something that deep because even the Apostle Paul says there was a set of circumstances so unsettling, so unsteady for me, so deeply troubling and fearful to me that I despaired even of life. Instead of that being a sad statement, <laughs> that ought to be an encouragement to us that even someone as godly, as marked by the Spirit of the Lord as the Apostle Paul could have sympathy, could understand with some of us at times in our lives 
when the discouragement seems to be so heavy, we're not even sure if we want to go on with this life. But the rest of the story is this. Indeed, verse 9, we had the sentence of death within ourselves in order that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. The thought was, we, we might, this may take us to death, but even if death comes, our trust is going to be in the Lord who can raise the dead. God who delivered us from so great a peril of death and will deliver us, he on whom we have set our hope, and he will yet deliver us. You also, now this is the part about the prayer, you also joining in helping us through your prayers that thanks may be given by many persons on our behalf for the favor bestowed upon us through the prayers of many. Jesus hears and prayer works. Jesus hears and prayer works. Sometimes the burdens we go through are so great that we ask others to engage in the conflict with us, to stand with us in prayer. And the Apostle Paul says, the good thing about that is when God answered your prayer for me, he was answering a specific prayer for you as you prayed for me. And we were all encouraged and blessed in the light of that. Folks, I think we need to weigh the possibility of what we haven't seen the victory in. We haven't seen the provision in. And the reason for that could be because we haven't prayed. We haven't prayed specifically. We prayed so generally. Or are we, when, when we, in the name of Jesus, ask, if you ask me anything, do you know that it's possible to use the words of prayer but not really have the sense that you were engaged in the presence of Jesus as you speak it? That we're just speaking the words out into the atmosphere, God help me, Jesus help me, but there's no sense that we're talking to him specifically and particularly. And if we fall into that, we stay in that place, we can wonder why are my prayers ever answered. It's because we were never addressing them to him. We were just speaking words that would be of a request nature. But I believe the Lord would have us to understand that he invites us to his throne of grace. He invites us to the place of his mercy. And he says, ask me, ask me, ask me, and I will show you great and mighty things which you know not of. Instead of spending all of our time asking on a lateral level, on a human level, even to brothers and sisters in Jesus, pray for me, pray for me, I believe the Lord wants to steady in our hearts that place of where, where we can be uncertain and unsettled, but we, we're brought back to the spot that wait. Have I ever really asked him? And if I have taken the place of, moved into the role of asking him, then I'm going to believe that he will answer me. He'll answer me with, here's why it hadn't happened, here's what I'm doing, but he also can answer with the specific thing that we were needing for him to do. Jesus hears, and prayer works. Jesus hears, and prayer works. Even 
when it has to do with folks who are despairing even of life. He says through the prayers of many, God brought us through. He delivered us. He rescued us. He brought us through. Amen. Amen. Jesus hears. Prayer works. Here's the third one. Steadying certainties in unsteady times. Jesus is freedom, and he's taking me there. Jesus is freedom, and he's taking me there. No matter what the type of unsteadiness you may be going through, the earth moving beneath your feet with the threat of things that have been lifelong entities and presences changing. The scripture says, Paul will write in 2 Corinthians 3.20, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and he always referenced Jesus in terms of the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. So if he leaves Jesus off of that in his writing, he's still meaning Jesus. Now the Lord Jesus is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is freedom. Romans eight twenty eight. We know that God causes all things to work together for good, to those who love him, the goals are called according to his purpose. At the heart of what good in God's eyes always references, it's the place of his son or his daughter moving into greater freedom. Freedom from, but freedom in, and freedom to. Jesus is freedom, and he's taking me there. He sees the things that have bound us. He sees the things that have shackled us, that have restricted us, that have hindered us from being all that he knows we are meant to be. And as a part of his working all things together for good, it is this peace he will allow many, many, many times for the, the unsettled times to work together to set us free from something that, that we would never have walked away from on our own because we're so comfortable with it. We couldn't see beyond it. We couldn't see outside of it. We identified ourselves and defined ourselves in the light of that which the Lord, as we look back on what he's done to set us free from certain things, we didn't even know there was a life outside of those shades or shackles or chains. But I'm telling you, my brother, my sister, when that drops 18 inches and settles into your spirit, that whatever may be unsteady, whatever may be over your head is still under his feet for his shot. And he will use 
those things, those unsteady times, to take you to a broader, further, greater, more expansive place of freedom. Can somebody say amen? Freedom, 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 freedom than you've ever, ever been in your life. But it can be scary as the journey begins. It can be the realization that, that what I have, some of the things I've always seen, some of the faces I've always known from the attaboys I've always gotten, those may not be there. But what if the Lord is saying, and I believe he is to many right now, trust me, trust me, trust me, trust me. Freedom, freedom's coming, freedom's coming. It's more, not less. It's further, not tighter. Amen. Amen. A steadying certainty anchored in the heart of the Savior for those he saved is that he is freedom and he's taking you there. So no matter what is arrayed against us, no matter what seems to be changing and causing there to be an unstable situation, here's what we can know. Jesus is freedom, and he's taking me there. Sometimes it's freedom from, away from something. Sometimes he does a freedom in number. That, that, that the face that used to control you, the voice that used to define you and determine how you would live and how you would think and what you would believe about yourself, he has the power to break the strength of those forces and those faces to dominate and rule our lives. So he may allow them to grow up the size of a Godzilla only to show us in the middle of it that he has the power to take the strength from that Goliath, that Godzilla, leaving us even where we have been, but this has no longer any authority, any power to determine how we think about ourselves and how we view our future. Freedom from, freedom in, <laughs> and freedom to. I believe the Lord looks down on some of us and it's almost like he could say, come on, come on, come on. Get out of the starting stance. The gate is open. The fire, the gun has gone off. The ra Come on. Try it. Dare it. Risk it. Go for it. Freedom. Freedom to. Freedom to. Freedom to. Freedom to. Freedom in. Freedom from. Jesus is freedom. And he's taking you. Let's back up to number one. Jesus has all authority. And Satan and the world do not. Where that settles in, where our spirits embrace that reality, then we can bless the Lord with our confidence in Him 
rather than our frustration with all the things we see around us that can frustrate, disappoint, seem to show lack of movement. When it's settled in my heart that it is Jesus who has all authority, then I rest in him the outcome I rest in him, the process, the journey. I rest in him, the key players. I rest in him, the hows, the whys, and the whens. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. Scripture says. All right. Somebody's, somebody's coming up here. It's okay. Security team. I know this one. I've been fighting this for a few minutes, but right. this, we have to tell our story. We have to tell our story right now. Jesus has we have many authority, stories, authority, okay. and the enemy does not. Um, most of you know that my mother went home to be with Jesus uh, November 16th, and we had the memorial service for her in Houston on the 4th of December. And right after that, I flew up by myself to Montana to get some things done. We have a little place up there for, we rented out for the ski season. And uh, the, um, this is amazing. My mother-in-law, uh, precious Mimi, prays for us every day, faithfully, faithfully. And on the Monday that I was up there, she tried calling David twice to say, I'm just really praying for Shirley's health. I'm so burdened for her health. Well, what she didn't know is that I'd been running a temperature and having terrible chills for a couple of days. And I went in that Monday um, to the uh, uh, med clinic in Montana to discover that I had COVID. <laughs> by myself in, in, in the woods in the middle of Montana with nobody there to help me or anything else. So I just was like, no, I cannot have COVID. I cannot have COVID. It's a week before Christmas. I'm going to be trapped in Montana. My family's in San Antonio. So uh, I called, um, you know, I'm just cross-eyed. I've got 102 fever. I feel terrible. I call David to let him know that I have COVID. And uh, go in, they, they give me some medication stuff. I go home and, you know, just sick, sick, sick. Uh, and I uh, go to bed on Monday night. Mm -hmm. And that's where you can, and I, so I've told you I have COVID. And he panics. He's like, I'm going to get in the car and drive up there right now and come get you. And, and you know. she couldn't get on a plane. We couldn't put on a plane. And Christmas is coming. And She's by herself, five degrees high the day, the temperature, and sounded terrible over the phone. So okay. I went to sleep that night. So about 3.30 in the morning, <clears throat> I woke up. We're 1,700 miles apart. About 3.30 in the morning, I woke up, and to my spirit, to my heart, I felt like I heard the Lord say, speak to the COVID, speak to the COVID. It wasn't a COVID, it wasn't COVID, it was the COVID. That was, I remember that very distinctly, speak to the COVID. And then the next thing that I felt like that he said was, 
enforce my authority. Enforce my authority. Speak to the COVID. Enforce my authority. Now, I wasn't planning on telling this for a while. I know, I know. But Jesus has all the authority and the enemy is a liar. I went to bed that night. My heart was bothering me. My mother died from a heart attack um, and thinking, you know, maybe I'm going home to be with my mom in, in heaven. It was that heavy mm. on my heart. Okay, go back to your story. So I'm, I'm, in, the, I'm in, the, in the dark, light's not on, but that's what I just began to do. I, I, out loud, right? Yeah, it was out loud, um, speaking to the COVID, I enforced the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ against you. And, and what I, happened in your spirit? Huh? What happened in well, your spirit? Well, there was just a real witness in my spirit that this was right. This is what I was supposed to do. And I realized how crazy it could sound in some ways. And I didn't understand all of what was going on. But the more I did that, the more it's not my authority, but it's the authority of Jesus. I'm in, And this is how I just said it. I enforce the authority of Jesus against you, spirit of COVID. I call you out. I call you out and I speak to you and then you will, you will get out of her lungs, you will, you will get out of her nose, she had a little burning in her, anyway, that's how I prayed for a while. I don't know how long it was in the Meanwhile, dark. in Montana, 1,749 miles away, somewhere between 2.30 a.m. and 3.30 a.m., there's an hour difference there, I woke up soaking wet, my fever had broken, I got sick. Um, in the bathroom, but I went back and went to sleep. I didn't, we didn't know that. We didn't, weren't able to compare notes until the next morning. So the sun comes so, up. So six o'clock in the morning, I wake up and I think I feel good. I'm thinking, I think I've had a miracle. That was my first thought when I woke up. I think God's done a miracle in my life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, but she didn't know that the prayer had gone on. And so uh, she told me that about the miracle. I feel like I feel better. I felt I hadn't, my fever's gone, all, all this stuff. And, um, and so I said, well, well, let me tell you what happened. I said, about what time was that when you woke up soaking wet? And she, 2.30, 3.30, something like that. And so then I said, well, let me tell you what was going on about 3.30 from Webb County. Then this was how I was led to pray. This is what led, led to do. And um, then it came together in our mind that the Lord really had honored that statement, enforce my authority, enforce my authority, enforce my authority. Okay, now we are not making this as an alternative to vaccines or to, to antibodies or any of that sort of thing. We're, that, that's your choice, it's how, it's how you deal with that, that's when you're on the Lord. But this was something just very specific and very personal. So she, she progressively got better. There was still some weakness. And but she got better, and and she hit that time frame. No more temperature, come home. pretty much. The temperature was gone from yeah. that time on. And much. and her voice was clearer, mm -hmm. you know, and and lungs were clearer. It, it left her lungs. It left her. Relations. And the heaviness. I think that people that have had COVID a lot of times they'll say there's just this oppressive darkness, and and I didn't have that from them. Yeah. Amen. So. That's what I, I felt like we needed to just, it, Jesus has all authority and the enemy is a liar and that when we pray, it makes a difference. Even if you're 
1,749 miles away from someone, when God tells you to pray, you need to pray. You better pray. Amen. Amen. And let Amen. the redeemed of the Lord say so. <laughs> okay. Now, where in the world was I in all of this? We'll, we'll, take, the, we'll take the interruption. The main, the main point is we come back to this, number one, Jesus has all authority, and Satan and the world do not. When Jesus told us how to pray, when he taught us how to pray, what was he saying when he put it, he used imperative verbs. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And then it, here, the verb comes before uh, the, the subject. All right, we do it differently in English, but for the purpose of, of emphasis in the original language, the way that it is stated that Jesus spoke it was, Come thy kingdom, imperative, come thy kingdom, and then be done thy will. Not, not my kingdom, not my will, but his will. It, it's as if he's saying, enforce my authority. It's not randomly like a loose cannon anywhere there's somebody or something you don't necessarily like. But where there is the heart of the Lord for his kingdom to come, he puts us on this earth to be in agreement with him such that we are, we are the vehicle through which many times he will choose to exert his authority and express his authority. Come, the, the kingdom, as we've so often said, it's the, you can't have a kingdom without a king. The kingdom is the presence of the king in the heart of the subjects. That's how this works. So that we're able to pray, Lord, bring your presence, bring your presence, bring your presence, bring your rule to the hearts. And then on the broader scale, beyond the person, your will, your will be done. You know, that, this, that's another whole subject that, that probably this spring we'll lean into a little more. What, is, what does it mean to enforce the authority of Jesus? To enforce his authority, to be in agreement with him, with what he wants and then to realize that there are some things that he may choose not to do until we agree with him as the vehicle through which he brings those things about. That, that this, this really kept me awake the rest of the night, that, almost till daylight, that, I'd, Lord, if, you're, if that's what you're really saying, then where are there so many other places where you're waiting for us to enforce your authority that will result in the victory and the freedom in places and ways. But you, you have all authority, but you are not enforcing your authority. But what if it is that it is a part of the church's role to enforce that authority? Now, before, before I was wonderfully interrupted, I mean, I want you to, I want you to go, go, to, um, go with me to the book of, of Philippians. Philippians chapter 2, Philippians chapter 2, and Paul, Paul is writing, have this verse 5, have this attitude in yourselves which was also in Christ Jesus, who although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant. And being made in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. 
Therefore also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. Now that means bow in surrender, bow in total submission, not a polite curtsy to a lower level dignity, or not the tipping of the hat to somebody of importance and going on with life as it was. This is, this is speaking of a bowing in surrender, a bowing in submission, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, and then he lists where? of those who are in heaven, the angels and the already in heaven redeemed ahead of us, of those who are in heaven, those who are on earth, that every knee should bow in surrender and in submission to every ruler, every place in power, every person in every nation, anywhere in the world, that every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, that even the demons, even the fallen angels that followed Lucifer in the rebellion, and even Satan, Lucifer, the devil himself, bowing in surrender and in submission to the one who holds the name that is the name above all names. The one to whom has been given all authority, all authority over everything that has a name in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Confess it because they're forced to, or confess it because they agree with it, and from a heart of favor toward the Savior, that every tongue, every tongue, every tongue in Washington, think about that, every tongue in every secular university, every tongue, every tongue of every ruler, every tongue of every leader, every tongue of every business potentate, every tongue will confess. What? What will they confess? That Jesus Christ, not God in general, Jesus Christ in particular, is what? He's Lord. He's Lord. What does that mean? That's a shorthand way of saying, He has all authority. Before whom I can either bow by forced surrender, or I can bow by yielded, warm heart, surrender to the Savior. And the Lord. Okay. I'll leave there and go to Colossians. No, excuse me, Ephesians. And we'll just jump right into how Paul keeps pressing this, pressing this, pressing this into the understanding of the Lord's people. Here's what you need to know about Jesus He has all authority, and the Satan and the world do not. Verse 18, Ephesians 1:18. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling. 
What are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints? And watch this in verse 19. And what is the surpassing greatness of His power toward us who believe? These, these are in accordance with the working of the strength of His might when He brought about in Christ, which He brought about in Christ, when He raised Him from the dead, and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things, look at this, look at this, he put all things in subjection under his feet, under the feet of Jesus. The Father put all things in subjection under his feet, and look, and gave him as head over all things to the church. Where is the church? The church is still on earth. Many in heaven, but Paul was writing to the church existing on the earth, which is his body and the fullness of him who fills all in all. When it is settled in your heart, and by the refreshing of the Spirit, His work in our hearts, reminding us of who Jesus is, He's not some minor deity. He's not some footnote in Western civilization history, tying it into a little bit of the ancient world, ancient Greek and Roman world, and so forth. No, no. He was God, the very God, who stripped away his priorities or his privileges of being with God in heaven. He emptied himself. He became a man so that he could live and die in obedience to the Father's plan and rescue you and me with his own blood and then be raised back to the right hand of the Father. And from that place, he rules with all authority. He's over America. He's over South America. He's over China. He's over Russia, Eastern Europe. He's over all. He's over all. Every face you see in human leadership is temporary. You see them one day, the present of this, the crown on the head, you see them the next day in an obituary column. They have no authority over death. But I submit to you that this Jesus, in Revelation chapter 1, when John saw him, the exalted Christ, his face shining like the sun in its strength, his eyes like a flame of fire, his voice like the sound of many waters, John said, when I saw him, I fell at his feet. It's a dead man. I was overwhelmed by his glory. I was overwhelmed by his majesty and his authority. I fell at his feet. And he spoke to me. Do not be afraid. I am the first and I am the last. And I am the living one. I was dead, but I am alive forevermore. And then he says, and I have the keys of death and of hell. I have the key. Meaning, Satan, 
You no longer own the gates to hell. I own it. You will not be allowed to take any of mine to the place of darkness. I am the one in absolute authority over the beginning of a life and the ending of a life of one of my own. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of one of his saints. There may be various vehicles by which we are conveyed to glory, but the spirit of death does not have the authority to take the life of a child of God. Okay, so Shirley just got us going off down this road of personal experiences and so forth. Here's another one. Been keeping up with a family, dear family, part of our church family, and the husband has been desperately sick, ill, should have died three or four times in the last 12 months or so. But the Lord miraculously even when the doctors were doing the best that they knew to do, they would reach a forecast and they would say he can't make it through this. Or some of them would just say, unless it's a miracle, he won't make it through this surgery. He made it. He made it. Again and again, he made it. But late last week, I got the information from the wife that he hadn't eaten in three or four days. He hadn't spoken a word in three or four days. He just slept, listless, knew he needed nourishment, knew he needed, needed hydration, couldn't get any of that to work. He wanted to pray, what, 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 do, I, what do I do? The, the hesitation about taking him to the hospital was the concern that they might not let anybody in with him, and, and we, we recognize the concerns that medicine has given the current situation. She didn't know to take him there if she would ever see him again. Could there not be things done at home that would be similar to what they'd be doing in the hospital? On Thursday night, again, just out and praying for them, Lord, what, what do we do? And there was a sense in my heart that the spirit of death needed to be addressed. I don't, hang on, don't, don't, don't just completely check out here. Oh boy, over the, over the side. But I kind of just tell you something, you may think that desperate situations require desperate interjection. This was a desperate situation. I felt that the Lord put on my heart to call out the spirit of death and to enforce his authority against the spirit of death. So I called the lady, I called the wife, and I said, I need you to put me on speakerphone and hold this phone over his bed. I'm 150 miles south of here, standing in the dark, moon and stars outside, and I tried to do the best that I understood what the Lord wanted me to do. I, just, I said, spirit of death, 
you have no authority to take this man. And you know it. You know you cannot take this one to hell. You cannot take this one, take this one's life. All authority belongs to Jesus. Jesus holds the keys of death and of hell. He, he is the one. You, 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 you back off. You let go. You stop it. This is, you're trying to make this smell like death, look like death, feel like death. You have no authority. Leave this place. Okay, I just, that's how I spoke. And then I prayed, Lord, just trying to enforce your authority to the best of our ability. Don't even know what that looks like, how you're going to do it. But we're agreeing with you that you will deal with the spirit of death hovering about this situation and release pressure of that. I can't tell you that in the next five minutes he opened his eyes and looked around and asked for a cheeseburger. He didn't. He didn't. But it felt like it was exactly as best I knew what the Lord wanted me to do. Okay. So the next day, they end up taking him to an ICU, one of the hospitals in the medical center. They were able to get flu fluids going, and he was extremely dehydrated. He, his different chemical counts were, were messed up, and they were able to address some of those things. They began to see better signs in his vitals than when he came in. I went yesterday to the ICU. I'm going to tell you, folks, and some of you have been in those, in those areas of hospitals where, and in this particular one, it was amazing, the professional way in which the medical team was working, the compassionate way, the, 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 the kind way that they were doing what they were doing. He was all strapped up, a ventilator down his throat, all of those things going on. But we walked into that room, and I'm telling you, it was palpable. It was measurable peace of the Lord Jesus in the room. There was not a sense of panic, of fear, of hesitation, of doubt, of what's this coming to, where are you God? What? No! It was as if the presence of the living Jesus moved into that room. He's still all strapped in and all the monitors going was the peace of the Lord. And there was an understanding. Jesus, if you come to take him, that's the greatest win of all. Satan isn't taking him anywhere. If he leaves this life, it's because you came for your sheep. It's not because the devil won one second of a 50-round fight. Satan is a loser. The spirit of death is a liar. Jesus has all authority. Then it's also a win if the Lord decides to leave him here with us for a while longer. Raise him up. Get him out of that hospital bed. Send him home. And he'll be sitting right back there on one of those loads like he and his wife have done for a long, long time. Jesus has all authority. Satan is a liar and he has lost. Jesus has won. Some of you are in the middle of a fight. You're not able to look back and see victory after victory after victory, perhaps. 
here is the truth. It is a truth that has outlasted. World War I has outlasted World War II. It has outlasted Korea and all the desert storm, Vietnam, and all of those things. It seemed as if the world was coming apart. The Civil War. Jesus Christ has all authority. And as long as he lives, which is forever, he holds things in the palm of his hand. And there's not one thing coming loose until he tells it to let go. He upholds all things by the word of his power. So I find myself looking toward Washington. Jesus is Lord, Washington. Jesus has all authority. Look, looking around at the places, even over the pandemic, all the things that are going on, no, no. Satan, you will not destroy the human race until the Lord says the time is up for life on this earth. Jesus has all authority. And Satan is a liar. So who are you listening to, child of God? Who are you listening to? And what if there are places where you stand in the measure of influence and leadership, authority that you have? Where are you standing? And what might he be saying to you? I'm wanting you to enforce my authority. That's one phrase, but, but what do you do with these others? Come thy kingdom be done thy will, submit therefore to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. More on that later. More on that later. Once again, Jesus hears and prayer works. Jesus is freedom, and he's taking me there. Jesus has all authority, and Satan and this world do not. Settling certainties in unsettled times. Do I have a witness? Amen. Lord, thank you for your patience with us. Thank you for your mercy toward us. Thank you for the way that you have made clear to us so much of what your heart is toward us, but also what your heart is for us to be partnering with you in the doing of. We ask you for greater understanding. We greater ask you to take us beyond what our minds, what our minds can contain, but also can restrict and take us to the place of what your spirit is wanting to reveal to us is the fuller meaning of all the things that you promised to us. Let me see these things as Paul prayed for the Ephesians that we would receive a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the true knowledge of you. That is our prayer. And we bless you, Jesus. Thank you for loving us 
Thank you for hearing our prayers. Thank you for taking us into further freedom. Thank you for reminding us that you are the one with all and final authority. It is in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. Amen. Streaming family, we bless you for being a part with us week after week, scattered literally all over the world, all across the country. We sense your presence. We sense your encouragement. You bless us with your, with your notes and your responses in various ways. We just bless all of the present Alamo City family in the room and those scattered around for the way that you have been so faithful in your support financially has been such a very, very vital part of us being able to continue to do what we do and for it to go even, even further. So bless you and thank you. We pray the Lord just multiplies back to you what you've been impressed to send this way. Now, could I ask our family here to, to stand with us? Prayer partners, if you'd, if you'd join me here at the front. If we can pray with you today, if we can stand with you in the middle of your fight, if we can trust with you that the authority of Jesus will be expressed and demonstrated in the way that is most consistent with his plan and his heart for you and for the broader plan. We're a part of his broader plan, the church being used around the world and in our city. So he's doing things with us and in us to equip us to step in and step up in the places where he's put us. I, I'm, I'm just praying that somebody will just kind of be messed up after you've heard this, this little part about what if he's calling me to enforce his authority. Before you say that couldn't be, that couldn't be, that couldn't be, then you gotta, you gotta check that out with how Jesus taught us to pray. Come thy kingdom. Be done thy will. Submit therefore to God. Resist the devil. And he'll flee from you. What does that mean? What's he wanting us to know about that? Not a bunch of loose cannons going off in the flesh in our own strength. But, but what if where he's put you, he's waiting to release some things as he hears your heart in agreement with his heart. Bring it, Lord. Bring it here. Bring it now. Bring it in this way as he impresses you to pray. Amen. Could be. More on that later. More on that later. God bless you. Come this way if we can pray with you and for you. We'd love to do that. There are folks around you that maybe could just use a, you know, a fist bump or a real handshake or maybe even a hug if you, wanna, if you wanted to do that as you're led. Let's just try to greet one another, speak encouragement to one another as we leave. So wonderful to have you here. Such a blessing to know that you're here, streaming family, and to see your faces in the room. God bless you. We'll see you next time. Amen.